0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, welcome to Our Sunday School. Uh, if you got your Bibles, grab your Bibles, open them up to Second Peter. And uh, we're in week 12. Uh, for those of you that are newish to our class. Uh, we'll be finishing up this series in the next uh, couple of weeks, Lord willing, uh, and then moving on to some new stuff. So I'm excited about that. I'm putting the finishing touches on some of that now. So uh, One of the things I wanted to do to kind of get us ready this morning uh, was to play you something. Daniel in the den. We're surrounded by these hungry lions, staring in the jaws. can say that Scott Mulvihill has opened for us in Sunday school, so there's that. Uh, he's my favorite bass player, uh, and if you've never heard of him before, I hadn't hadn't heard of him neither. Uh, went to the Lauren Daigle concert a couple weeks ago, and she, and he opened for her. Uh, and then he didn't play that song in the opening, but she had him come back out, and she and he and a couple of their backup singers sang that song, and it was really, really good. And when they sang it, I looked at my wife, and I said... We have got to find a way to play that before we teach uh, today's lesson uh, about the day of the Lord. So, we did. So, you got your Bibles? Uh, we're in Second Peter. So, I'm going to start reading from uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll go all the way through uh, today's text, chapter 3, verse uh, 13. So, feel free to listen, feel free to uh, read, uh, but stay engaged as we go through. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of the truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words, and for a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous and self-willed, They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, "'Carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, "'having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, "'enticing unstable souls. "'They have a heart trained in covetous practices "'and are accursed children. "'They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, "'following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, "'who loved the wages of unrighteousness. "'But he was rebuked for his iniquity. "'A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, "'restrained the madness of the prophet. "'These are wells without water, "'clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak with great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before By the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen and amen. All right, as we do each week, we'll go through a series of questions for our Sunday school class, uh, the first of which there on your handout after the day's text, the verses 10 through 13, is are there any literary or structural observations? And you may have noticed... That Peter kind of here moves into full-scale prophet mode with his confident uh, future indicatives. Every time you see the, uh, the word will in today's text, this is a, a future tense and an indicative. It's a statement of fact from the perspective of the writer that this is going to happen. Uh, and, and we, th- you know, apart from what the Bible actually tells us, uh, we don't get to use future indicatives. And I hope that this has resonated with you as we have gone through Second Peter, is that the only way that we know for sure about what is going to come is what the Scripture tells us, because there is nothing else that is confident about the future. And and sometimes I I, I forget to mention these really really basic things, uh, but Peter makes it clear in today's text that there is absolutely no doubt that the day of the Lord is coming. So, what are the most repeated words in Second Peter? Uh, well, they're there, them, themselves, they, 42 times. Peter's talking about this this other group that's not you. Uh, he's very direct with those that he is talking to, you and your, 28 times. Uh, and then your first blank in that section is the word will, W-I-L-L. Uh, 21 times the word will shows up, and those are those future indicatives, where Peter is quite confident about something that is going to occur uh, in the future. Uh, And if you are an online person rather than an in-person taking notes on a piece of paper, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the Read tab, and then in the lower left-hand corner all the notes, uh, the teacher notes with all the blanks and the answers, uh, as well as the student handouts and the PowerPoint for today's text is there. So this idea that Peter knows what's going to happen, this will, uh, and then the second blank there under the most repeated words in 2 Peter is the word know, K-N-O-W. This confidence that Peter has... Uh, In the future, this book is about a tremendous amount of knowledge. This book is about uh, what happens when we ignore uh, what has come before us and are open to anybody that stands up and spouts off something that sounds interesting. And if we've ever lived in a point in human history where everybody on the planet has a mechanism to stand up and spout off something, whatever they wanted to say, it is now. Um, one of the interesting things, if you think about the context of 2 Peter, is that a false teacher could only get his message so far in Peter's day, right? It would have had to have been personally transmitted and then personally to some. And now it's just we just scroll through Facebook and we can see all kinds of heresy. It is what it is, right? Anybody can set up a Twitter account and live stream something. Anybody can broadcast. Anybody can communicate. It can go very, very wide. So if there was ever a time in history to know the scriptures well so that we know uh, what to believe and what not to believe, uh, it is now. So the most repeated words in this text, uh, your first blank under that section is will, W-I-L-L. Seven of those 21 future indicatives are in today's text. So this is... In my view, if you if you chunk the, the series up as we have on our schedule, um, you know, Peter uses one third of all of his indicatives in these four verses in today's text. So there's a tremendous he's building and he's building and he's building and he's building and he just pours it out. Here's what we are getting to that the day of the Lord is coming. And that's your next blank there in that most repeated words in this text, the word comes. C-O-M-E. C-O-M-E. It is going to happen. My guess is, if any of you have ever uh, read portions of Scripture out loud, it it is sometimes very easy and sometimes very difficult to tell what the author's tone is in a passage of Scripture. It is super easy to tell what the author's tone is here, right? I mean, it's just, he just lays it bare. It's just really, really straightforward. Uh, So sometimes he makes it easy for us to uh, read the text out loud. So let's look at uh, what do the words mean. Uh, and so what we've done here on the handout is we've got the, the Bible text in red text uh, and then the definitions as well as the Greek uh, parsings uh, of the verbs uh, there in the black text. So let's take a look at the words. So, But the day, and this is just, this is uh, it, it can be translated an individual day all the way up to an age. Um, it says the day of the Lord will come. Uh, the future active indicative. There again, this will it will occur as a thief. Now, you look at the Greek word there in italics after the word English word thief. What was that? Kind of remind you like klepto, right? Yeah, this is a kleptomaniac. It's somebody who takes things. Uh, now, this is different than the this is different than the Greek word for robber because um, there was a, a the there are. A couple parts in Scripture where there's a robber described in the New Testament. And a robber is somebody who will take something off of your person, right? So they are bold enough to actually take something from you off of your body. A thief is a more general category. They're just going to take something that you own. So this is somebody who's going to come into your house at night. Um, And and I would venture to say that in 2018, in Hickson, Tennessee, that... If I were to take a poll, and I am not taking a poll, but if I were to take a poll of how many of you in this room are rather well-prepared, we'll we'll put it that way, for a thief to enter in your home, Jay, what do you think? Probably, Jay's like, yeah, I got that covered, right? Yeah. Um, I had somebody ask me one time, do you have guns in your home? I said, well, you could break in in the middle of the night and find out. right but, but the thief when did the when does the thief come? the thief comes at night right and and I tell you what's kind of scary is that in our neighborhood, we have started to have thieves come in the middle of the day, like they will scope out a house and know when nobody's there, and they will kick in the front door and it's like, what in the like that is this whole nother level of crazy boldness, right, but the typical thief that we think of is like the picture on the screen, you know you got. Somebody with a flashlight, and they're going to come in, and they're going to take what you've got. And, and the thief calls ahead and schedules an appointment, right? They're like, hey, we're coming like this day and this time. Uh, Turn your cameras on. Everything's good. You, you're, right? Does the thief schedule? The thief doesn't schedule? Not quite? Not quite? Right? So he's going to come as a thief in the night, so you don't know when it's going to happen. He's going to take something that you think is yours, but that's how the day of the Lord is going to come. The thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away. So I want to look at this this pass away for just a second here. so it's to come near or to aside to approach, to go away, uh, to perish or neglect, to avert, to go past, to transgress so that the heavens will pass away. they will go away with a great noise and I I can't pronounce the Greek word, and I didn't even put it in the notes here. But it's a, a bit of onomatopoeia here. the The word sounds like a the, a roaring fire if you say it properly. And I, like, I can't. my, my redneck tongue won't. It just won't happen. So I, I didn't want to try to butcher it. But I wanted to tell you that Peter. You, it's kind of like a a Greek joke-ish sorta. Of. Um, so it's in there. Uh, so they're going to pass away with a great noise. Which kind of makes sense, right? The heavens are just going to go. It feels like that's not going to go quietly, right? I mean, it, this, is a, this is a lot of space. This is a lot of stuff. And the elements, and these are anything that can be arranged, so There's the, the rudiment of the principles, this, the, this word for elements uh, is also used uh, in other Greek literature for their alphabet. So if you think about it, it's the, it's the building blocks of something that is larger. So the elements will melt. Now, does anybody have a different translation there for the word will melt right after the elements? Be destroyed? Anybody else other than be destroyed or melt? What do you got? Be destroyed by fire? Yep. You know why? Because that's what it means. Uh, The blank there is, the word before the blank is destroy. The blank is dissolve. Dissolve. Uh, And this idea that there is something that causes these elements to just dissolve. and Like what? If you put your science hats on back from like physics in high school or college, what makes elements melt? Like a lot of heat. Like not a small amount of heat. I'm talking a spectacular amount of like... Like the heat that you need to be thinking about should make your eyebrows go up and like, oh, like that much heat, right? Yes. Um, it, it's a spectacular amount of heat. So, and it's not just heat, it's fervent heat. And this is a present passive participle. This fervent heat is actually a verb. I, I would think about it, in English, it kind of looks not like a verb, but in Greek it's actually a verb. And it's, so it's repeatedly, that's your next blank, repeatedly fervent heat. So it's not just this kind of instant, it's like a, this, going and going and going and going. Does this make sense? It's a bad day. Right? Like we are, we are resolving things on this day. If you've ever seen the Godfather movies, there's always a single day in the movie where everything gets dealt with. Like It's just, everything rises to that day and you're like, oh, that's what all the storylines were about. Okay, this, make, this is everything is getting resolved with fervent heat. And just in case we weren't sure about what he was talking about, semicolon, both the earth, this is the physical globe, and the works, the ergon, the, the anything that anybody's done, the labor, all the, the stuff that we have built, the effort that we have put in, the, everything that you do at your job, everything that you do at your home, everything that you have done anywhere on this planet, one day will be completely and totally dissolved. going to be gone. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever experienced a fire in your home, Uh, but I have mentioned on more than one occasion that when I was about four years old, our house burned down, uh, and we lost everything. Uh, We were away uh, on, watch me, vacation, which is what my parents called it when we went to go visit relatives, right? (laughs) Which which I found out later in life isn't really a vacation, right? I mean, there's, there's places that you go to have fun that you call a vacation. Uh, but we got a phone call in the middle of the night, and I remember my mom coming in and waking me up and said, Jimmy, we got um, to go. Uh, something bad's happened, and we got in the car, and we drove back to Shelbyville. And uh, i never forget, because we had a driveway that was like half a mile long, and we pulled in right at kind of daybreak, and I was like, what's all that smoke? Like, that doesn't. Like some somebody burn the tires again. Like I always enjoyed doing that with my dad because it, it was illegal for one. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> this will be a heavily edited podcast today. Um, but it would make a lot of smoke, and it was fun, you know we'd do it together, and you know whatever. And uh, I was like, I was like, Daddy, did we like did we who burned the tires without us? I mean, that's not cool, right? And he said, That's not what that is, son. And uh, we got up closer and. We had a basically a log cabin. That's basically what we had, and it was it was just it was just nothing. Um, and I remember a couple of days later, once everything had kind of cooled off, we went sifting through, and uh, he had to put we put bags around my feet so my shoes wouldn't just get you know completely black and ruined. And uh, we found a glass jar, and it was our change jar. And most of you have a, a jar or something at your house that's the change jar, right? and it it had completely fused together. Like all of the change had melted, and the glass had melted, and it was really actually quite beautiful. Um, And as far as I remember, that was the only thing that I could identify that day of the entire house. And it was melted. Um, And my my mom uh, told me later in life that uh, I never cried over it. Um, but but when we were driving away that day, I was sitting in the back seat with my sister because it was my job to hold her. We didn't use seatbelts in. <laughs> so hold her, and uh, and I asked my mom. I said, "So so everything burned, right?" And she said, "Yep, everything." I said, "Well, even Pooh Bear." And she's like, "Yep, even Pooh Bear." And she said, "I went, all right then." And she said she had doctors tell her later that like he's going to have serious mental problems his entire life because he didn't deal with this, and it wasn't resolved. So if y'all are wondering, that was it, okay? (laughs) But I I stop and I tell you that story for a, a very specific reason because if you've ever had a point in your life where everything that you own has been gone, it's just totally vanished you begin to look at stuff a little bit differently. Um, like, I have about 12 or 15 baby pictures. Uh, and the baby pictures that I have are the baby pictures that my mom mailed out to family that they mailed back to her. Like, that's it. And, and I look at those and I go, well, that's pretty cool that we still have some, right? Awesome. But I don't have anything else. Like, Pooh Bear is gone. <laughs> That's just, you you hold stuff differently at that point. So when I see in the text that the whole earth is going to be burned up, that to me is just hard to imagine. Because I remember the, wow, this is, like, this is going to, I remember thinking, this is going to create some problems for us. This feels like this is not good, right? So verse 11 I'm sorry, then verse 10, the end of verse 10, with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This is a different word for burned. Or it's not the same word as melted. This word means consumed. What's your blank is consume. It means to utterly burn up. <laughs> You're like, well, it's like, well, I feel, I feel like we're making a point here with the words, right? We are, yes. It's, there's not going to be anything left. Verse 11, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, and this is a present passive participle, and this is, like, I don't fully understand this particular uh, parsing because it means repeatedly dissolved. And I the only thing I can get to is that there was repeatedly fervent heat, so there's got to be a repeatedly dissolving process. That, that's as close as I can get to grammatically. Um, so it's going to take a second. It's not going to be instantaneous. Um, I have joked before that I believe in the Big Bang, uh, that it's just going to happen at the end of all things and not at the beginning of all things, right? But I, this, the, the Greek grammar here really doesn't imply a, a bang. It implies a, there's a burning process and a consuming process and a dissolving process, and it's going to take a second. I have no idea how long, but it's, it's going to take a second. So therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, so Peter has set the stage, since everything that we physically interact with in the known universe is going to be gone, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Which is a great question to ask, right? Which feels like he is saying, what are you orienting your life around? Are we orienting our lives around this stuff that's going to physically burn one day or are we orienting our lives around something that is holy conduct? This right behavior, this godliness, this holiness, this piety. That's a great question to ask. I think if, if you want to do a regular spiritual checkup on yourself, Second Peter 3.11 is a great question to ask. Um, it's actually one over the last couple of months that I have been asking when we do uh, communion. You know, this examine-yourself process, right? So, okay, Jim, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person should Jim be in holy conduct and godliness? Like, there's not a lot of wiggle room there, right? It's pretty blanketly straightforward. So he goes on and he tells us, actually. He says, this is what you ought to be doing. Verse 12, looking for. So this is a present act of participles. This is repeatedly looking for. And this word means to anticipate. Uh, and I googled the word anticipate, and this was one of the pictures. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Because if you were ever a younger brother or sister, there was some anticipation at some point. Or, I'm sorry, an older brother or sister. Yes, that had that totally backward. Younger would make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but this idea of like, like, come on, what in the world. My sister is expecting right now. And she should, uh, she should deliver in the next three weeks-ish, I think. Two, three weeks, something like that. It's a Thanksgiving baby, so however far we are away from Thanksgiving. And, uh, and she has a, what Molly Blythe is, what, six, seven, eight, eight? She's nine. <laughs> she's a child. <clears throat> and she's about like, she's about somewhere in this tall, somewhere about that tall. And she asks incredibly interesting questions. Like, and they're just every day. My sister gets peppered with a whole new set of questions around, "Well, what's the baby good about this? What about the baby here? What about the baby here? What about the baby here?" And there's just this intense anticipation, and partly because, like, like there's evidence that Molly Blythe can see that something is about to happen, right? And what I love about the way Peter has positioned. His argument is that he has put all of the false teacher condemnation before this. He is waving this flag saying, Here is the evidence of the last days. Here is the evidence of these prophecies being true. Here is the evidence of the confidence that you can have in the word of God. There should be an anticipation because you can see what is happening. And that's what he already uses here. So this looking for, this repeated anticipation and hastening... The Greek word is spudo, which is speedy, right? So it kind of looks like speedos, doesn't it? It's just—it's kind of a weird word, but it's just hastening. This and this is a present active participle. This is repeatedly hastening to. I am. I am urging on. I am excited. I am awaiting eagerly. I am looking for the coming of the day. And this word for coming, and I put it in your your handout here. This is from. uh, uh, the New Linguistic and exe- Exegetical Key to the Greek New Testament I don't know why you would ever name a book that But that's what they named it uh, This particular word in other literature Was often used as a term for the appearance of a god Or the arrival of a king or ruler So this wasn't just a, hey, Doug's at the door we got to go answer the door Like No, this is Lock door. <laughs> <laughs> Like something something grand and large is here Right? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, who is the God that we are talking about? Jesus, yes. This is Jesus is coming. The Lord is coming. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved. Have we mentioned this already in today's text? I think we have, yes. Being on fire. So in case we missed the idea that the heat This is the heat that's going to result in fire. And this is uh, pyru, where we get our uh, English word pyrotechnics. Uh, And this is a present passive participle. This is repeatedly being on fire. And the elements, it's the same word as earlier, will melt to liquefy with fervent heat. And here we go. So we're going to end on today. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, according to his self-committal, what he has committed himself to do, look for we look for new heavens, and this word means new. Okay? New heavens and a new earth. And he could have stopped there, and that would have been pretty neat, but he didn't stop there because there's one more little clause. In which righteousness dwells. And that is worth getting excited for. That is a universe in which the king is visible and ruling. Righteousness is dwelling in the heavens and in the earth. Oh, I want to be there for that. I am excited about that. So let's look at our application and personalizations real quick. Application number one, what is the point? What do you think number one is? The day of the Lord is coming. It is. Yes. We do not have a dead hope. We have a living hope in a living Savior, and the day of the Lord is coming. So I don't know what you're going through right now, but the day of the Lord is coming. I don't know if today has been a good day for you, but the day of the Lord is coming. I don't know if today has been a bad day for you, but the day of the Lord is coming. is awesome so what do we do with that we told us what to do look for and hasten his coming i have no idea how to hasten his coming but we are we're given instruction to pray for it so i think that might be part of it so look for and hasten his coming Uh, application number two all things will be made new so the body that you have right now that is broken it's gonna be made new the relationships that you have that are broken it's going to be made new the problems that we have with the physical universe right now that scare us to death it's going to be made new all things are going to be made new so what do we do with that this is Jim's application our personalization on number two is hold stuff lightly because right? it's going to burn and, and I don't I don't say that flippantly or as a joke, but it's literally going to burn. So, you know, I, I want to use my Piper quote here. Let's not spend our lives collecting seashells because they're going to burn one day. It's it's really really significant that we understand this. And then application number three: righteousness will have a home. So what do we do with that? Well, I'm going to rejoice. Because that's awesome. I want to live in that place. I want to look forward to that place. I want to pray that that place comes faster and quicker and sooner. Because it is better. And I am excited about that place. All right. so next week's text. Verses 14 through 18. Lord willing, if we get there. Many of you, myself included, are going to say a hearty, hearty amen to what Peter writes in next week's text. Because in next week's text... Peter says the Apostle Paul's writings are hard to understand. And after having taught through Romans last year, I will say amen and amen again to that. They are hard to understand. So that should uh, finish up our series in 2 Peter next week. Uh, look forward to having you back for that. Uh, our weekly update should be on your tables, the sheet with the blue strip at the top. Uh, It's our prayer request listed there. Look over those, read through those, uh, make any updates uh, to those that you can, and write any new ones down, put your name at the bottom, mark our attendance, and then after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed, but I do not want to dismiss you without first thanking uh, my good friend Dave Barber for just handling stuff, because you and I never even talked this morning before you had everything set up and tested and it worked flawlessly, so Thank you for that. I appreciate it because what what that stuff does is it lets me focus on this Because this is what I want to focus on and he wants to focus on that and it's just wonderful And Justin and Carrie come in and make sure that your table didn't have crusted birthday cake on it From whatever party was in here yesterday and and that's pretty awesome and it's just it's a really good team effort and I I appreciate that. So uh, pray at the table. and After you finish praying, you're dismissed to the sanctuary. So we're going to go rejoice that the day of the Lord is coming. So thanks for coming to Sunday School. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.